Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a fellow podcaster today, so yeah, we, we definitely won't have any shortage of conversation, but <laughs> let me tell you about Steve Gould. Uh, he has been in law enforcement for over two decades now, I believe, or right around two decades. He has served as a natural resource officer. He's been a municipal police officer. And I know as recently as just a few months ago, he was working for the LAPD as a civilian background investigator. But as I mentioned, he is also the host and producer of Things Police See podcast. So we're going to have a great time with Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Hey, not a problem. I'm glad. I'm glad we were able to work this out, kind of at the at the last minute here. Absolutely, man. I tell you what, I love being a guest. There's nothing like it. <laughs> it's no problem. editing, none of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, you don't have to do any thought beforehand. All you got to do is show up, right? <laughs> it's great. I love it. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you, you've got a couple of decades' experience as uh, a law enforcement professional. And, and I understand that now you're back in Massachusetts. So tell us a little bit more about your law enforcement career and, and especially what you're doing now. Sure. Um, it's 14 years. And I, okay. I just correct you only because I don't want to get my balls busted by my buddies. Saying, <laughs> you're telling people you got 20 years? <laughs> well, I was trying out, dude, I was trying to do the math on the bio. It's like, all right, 10 and four. And then I added, yeah. I think I double added the, the time in Los Angeles and law enforcement. So, okay, well, we'll, we'll say about 15. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. Um, yep. That's, that's absolutely right. The, um, you know, my father was a police officer, 30 years, uh, small town, grew up him coming home, oh, seeing him in uniform, eating every meal. And, it just really, you know, stuck in my brain. We had a good relationship, still do. And uh, that's just what I wanted to do was be a police officer. I just saw him as like um, a guy around town that people respected and he was there to uh, figure problems out, help people. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't like uh, kicking doors in type of deal. We weren't in like New York City, more, more like um, just your local copper, you know, just a guy that, you know, from uh, a bat in your living room to your drunk uncle who's like, you know, knocked over the Christmas tree and has to be dragged out that yeah. they, they deal with everything, you know, the, the town cops, but um, like a community caretaker, that's what appealed to me. So um, I got into that eventually first, like you said, I was a natural resource officer, um, did that for four years. What a good job out of school, 22 years old, boats, ATVs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a good time. It's not, uh, not a lot of money in it. There's not a lot of uh, Massachusetts does not, really embrace their environmental policing agencies they don't really give them money so, so kinda... i can see why you went back there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no. i'm not in environmental policing now i'm in normal right. policing so um the the pay is better but uh yeah i went from that to normal copper then um we had uh, a little four-year uh break in california 
just wanted to go there. And that's a whole nother story in itself. Uh, am I getting way off track from your question? Is this no, too much? Not, not at all. Go for okay. it, man. I'll edit it all out and nobody will hear this, but keep on going. <laughs> I'm, fi I'm finding it interesting. So go ahead. <laughs> so um, probably like um, my 10th year as a cop on a normal cop on the Cape just decided, and I need a break. My wife and I both were like, let's, let's do something different. Like we've been, we've, we've lived in Massachusetts our whole lives, born and raised there. Let's, we saw an opportunity where we had enough money saved and we could rent our house and we just hit the road in a camper and RV and went to California, no job lined up. Um, nothing just left. Friends and family were like, what are you doing? You got this job, you got good benefits, you own a house. And, uh, it didn't matter. We were just had that crazy itch, you know? So we left and we hit, went cross country, went all different places with the kids, spent a bunch of our life savings and landed in Southern California and um, just had no job, nothing. And I had applied to LAPD background unit nine months before and had heard nothing. And then luckily two months being there, starting to panic a little bit, yeah. um, I get a call from them and they're like, Hey, we got a spot. It's only part-time, but you want to come and in interview? I was like, sure. I go in there and you know, it's these interviews are I don't, you ever done an interview with the oral board? You know, there's like people yep. on one side and just you on the other. And yeah, what's what's funny is fun fact, and I think a few, some of our audience knows this. For a very very brief time in my early 20s, I trained to to be a firefighter, and I was interviewed by a couple of those oral boards. Obviously, didn't do very well because I never became a first responder. But continue, I'm familiar with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. When I was younger, I did terribly at these things. But now I find myself in LA and I'm, you know, 35, 36. And I did much better than I, when I was younger. I wasn't all hopped up, you know, you kind of yeah. kind of grow into it. And then it, it wasn't just an interview with the overboard. Then it was role playing. They're like, we're going to have someone come in and pretend to be a candidate who's lying to you. So I'm like, oh, the, it, it was high pressure to me. I was like, <laughs> but evidently they liked me because not only did they offered me the part-time job, they said, we're going to offer you the full-time position. Nice. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So then from there, I got certified as a, um, a bodyguard as a, I got my California guard card and my California, um, open firearms permit. And then on top, I had Leosa cause I was law enforcement long enough. You, if you leave law enforcement after being 10 years on the job, you get Leosa certified and you can carry anywhere in the country concealed. Mm. So now I found myself working for the backgrounds and also I can do, um, close protection work and work for like high end retail, which yeah. was, you know, something you think you'd never do. I, I yeah. retired LAPD guys like, Hey, I got a buddy. He does, you know, he, he manages the account at Harry Winston, which is, you know, huge money. And you want, you want to work there for extra money. I'm like, hell yeah. So they're like, yeah. like go buy a, go buy a black suit and a black tie, white shirt. I'm like, okay. And before you know it, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm body, I'm doing a bodyguard gig to LL Cool J and we're, we're behind the scenes at the MTV movie awards. And I'm like, you know, here I am from, from uh, Cape Cod Copper to LA, and three months later, I'm you know I'm tailing LL Cool J uh, through the the cast of Stranger Things and uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mm -hmm. I'll hug in, and he uh, LL Cool J's walking. He walks right. He walks us right through. There's an E reporter. He walks mm -hmm. right in the between the reporter and the camera. Starts talking, and the reporter's like, and he's like, oh, Bob, I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. But he's like, <laughs> he's like larger than life. He's one of those yeah. guys where he's a celebrity celebrity. So we're, we're trying to keep track of him and like slept like all kinds of movie stars and TV stars are coming up to him going LL Cool J and he's just playing yeah. off and he's huge too. He's got, he's got 
mitts on him, like bear claws, you know, it's like, it was almost <laughs> funny that I was protecting him. You know, it's kind of like, I, I'm sure you could handle it. And he actually, he had someone break into his house in Sherman Oaks. Oh, wow. Broke his jaw and like three of his ribs himself. Yeah. Then he called the police and was like, come pick this guy up, you know? So um, I think it was just a formality, just, you know, hold doors and yeah, you know, he looks important, you know? Well, now that I know that LL Cool J lives in Sherman Oaks, which is just about a half hour north of me here in Long Beach, now I'll have to search him out. Yeah, yeah, go hang <laughs> with him. Uh, his name is Todd Smith. Okay, yeah, I'll try not to get my ass kicked like that guy. That was stupid yeah, enough to yeah, break Yeah, don't surprise him, buddy. Don't surprise him. <laughs> He's, uh, it's so Hollywood, that whole scene, that I, I just, um, you know, you probably know from the podcast, I, I have no problem uh, saying what I think, and I don't hold back often, and... Uh, I got myself banned from that, from that detail for like three months. Mm. So I did it one time and then I made a joke in front of his manager that she didn't think was funny. And I got banned from the detail for three months. Yeah. The joke was I showed up for the M MTV movie awards and she gave me a collar, a pass to get backstage that said, um, it was like Eric Hernandez or something because a guy canceled and I was replacing him, but they didn't get my badge. And I go, yeah, I look like an Eric Hernandez, right? I look like uh, I look kind of like Canelo, the boxer. What some stupid joke? Yeah. And she was like, "This isn't funny. You, it, don't don't joke about this. You'll get kicked out." And like I'm like, "Take it easy." And then yeah. lo and behold, my buddy who I did the detail with was like, uh, "You might not be getting a call for a little bit for LL." <laughs> Understood. But yeah, I did get calls after that. But that's the Hollywood scene. Everybody's very sensitive, you know. Yes. Yes, I am not in the Hollywood scene, thank God, but uh, living in Los Angeles County, I'm well aware, you, even, even if you think something wrong, maybe you, you might get labeled, but uh, we, won't, we won't dig into that. <laughs> no, let's not ruin the show. <laughs> no, let's, but let's dig into your show, because you know, I've, I've had a chance to listen to a number of episodes, uh, made mention of it in, in Podcast Magazine. Where, I appreciate that, brother. I love it. Yep. You're welcome. You're welcome. If it wasn't a good show, it wouldn't have wound up on Podcast Magazine. Thank you. <laughs> I guarantee you on that one. Um, but your first episode landed in May of 2018. Yeah, give us an idea of the motivation to launch the show in the first place and the passion for, for continuing the program today. Sure. Um, when I got in the, the background unit in LAPD, just to just let people know what it's like, um, there's probably like seven or eight police officers and then like 40 civilian background investigators. Now the civilians are all um, retired police or were police at some time or federal agents or it's all different walks of life. I worked with federal agents to local police to state police, all a mixture of people who either got injured or they retired or didn't want to be on the street anymore. So that was kind of us. So at lunchtime we would go to the, our little cafeteria area and we'd sit down and these guys would tell stories. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to cop stories. War they stories. Are, they're your war stories. Absolutely. There's even a so, podcast for that too, but go ahead. <laughs> exactly. So um, the stories were just so compelling and so insane. And some of these guys, um, some of these cities around Los Angeles itself and some of the cities around them are, are just, are just brutal um, with what they see and deal with. And it's just, I thought to myself, if, and this is when it was really starting to heat up the national police thing. It was like getting worse and worse and it's never stopped getting worse. But um, I'm thinking to myself, if people could be a fly on the wall 
and really listen to these guys and see how much they, A, really care about people and B, um, what they really have to look at and see and, and process and how do they do it, you know? Um, I think they'd have a real appreciation for police work if they could really just hear what it's really, what, what these guys really have to, to see and go through. Yeah. Put yourself in their shoes, you know? Um, so I thought, damn, I wonder if I could get these guys to talk. You know, uh, I <laughs> not, figured, all of them, not all of them want to talk too. No. Yeah. Some of them don't. It's true. Like some of the best stories, the guys were, didn't want, like I, two deaths down for me was the supervising detective for OJ Simpson. Mm. And not only did he have great stories from that, but he had great stories, crazy good stories from, you know, like the sixties being a cop, like he, <laughs> you know, waking up in, in the passenger seat of the cruiser on like a midnight shift and your partner's firing, has gone out the wind on a car chase. And you're like, car chase you end up crashing in Pomona and getting in a shootout it's like crazy ass crazy yeah. crazy stories but he didn't want to come on I, I get it but so I thought let me try so I asked some of these guys and they were surprisingly willing the first dozen people they were like yeah that sounds like fun I'll do that and they're retired so what better than a retired cop because they mm -hmm. don't care at yep. all and a lot of them were getting pissed off with the national um with the um with the division yeah. in the country and how inaccurate it was and how all these, all these falsehoods and all this, uh, the propagandizing the media does to really trick and fool people's minds. Like they're, yeah. cause they're at the point where some of these guys have family members, nieces, nephews, um, that say things like, I know you were okay, but you know, 85, 90% of cops are no good. Yeah. Like they, this is the stuff these guys have to hear. So they were more than happy to come on and be like, you know what, let's let, we're going to let it rip. And I tell them, I say, listen, don't hold back. If you swear in normal conversation, swear on the podcast, it's okay. I don't cuss a lot myself, but don't hold back. And if you think a story is too gross, that's a story I want to hear. Just because just, I really <laughs> want people to know, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and some of the stuff, I mean, there's over 60, I think there's 67 interviews now. And uh, man, I, I was kind of, before coming on here, I kind of went through just to kind of catalog and see what yeah. some stories and they're just rushing back to me and I'm, I'm thinking, wow. And these guys, I mean, the make no mistake. These guests are the star of the show. These are the guys I rely solely on them to bring it. And they, they just always do. Even a small town cop who's been on the job for a good amount of years is going to have stories that will blow your mind, you know? And um, that's it. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to bring it to the people. I wanted people to appreciate these guys. And um, you know, I think, I think it's working to a small extent. It's getting out there, you know? Now a word from the POCUA. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. Three states we definitely have covered are Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota. The Police Federal Credit Union of Omaha is, first and foremost, a passionate financial service provider to sworn and civilian law enforcement and their families. Possibly more than any other profession, sworn and civilian law enforcement perform a challenging job, and they do it with pride. Police Federal Credit Union of Omaha has the same pride in serving who they refer to as their blue family throughout Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota with understanding and professionalism. For information about Police Federal Credit Union of Omaha, go to opfcu.net or call 877-329-2405. To find an institution to serve you in any of the other 47 states, go to policecreditunions.com. 
And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. Putting my other hat on is uh, the category director for True Crime on Podcast Magazine is I find myself gravitating to shows that um, are very serious true crime. Um, there, there are some true crime podcasts that, that are lighter, that, that do justice to their victims, uh, to the victims of the cases. But I have a hard time for civilians kind of talking tongue in cheek about certain cases, you know, people that had right. the, the worst experience <clears throat> in their life. But for some strange reason, and, and your show falls into this, I have no problem hearing first responders take light and joke about a serious case, a serious situation. And it's almost like to me, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, and you can correct me if, if I am, is that one, they have a right to make fun of it a little bit, you know, not at the victim's expense, but at the case's expense or definitely sure. definitely at the criminal's expense because that's just fun right. uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, al and also and i even mentioned this to to another guest that i had on public safety talk, talk radio is it's kind of like a gallows humor if you don't joke about it a little bit you're just going to take it in emotionally and break down and that's not going to do anybody any good Absolutely. That's a thousand percent correct. And every cop I interview says that they say, you know, it's like the gallows humor that, that, that they call it like black humor, that dark humor yeah. where it's just like, um, you go to a horrible scene you have that initial moment of like, you know, the adrenaline dump or whatever, and you're all kind of coping. And then five minutes there, the jokes start, you know, as, as long as it's just, it's just the coppers, you just, it, you have to lighten the mood. You have to, it's a survival thing. You have sure. to get through. It's a coping mechanism, you know? And, um, we often, we can get ourselves in trouble, you know, because we're, these the serious scenes, there's not just cops that show up, they're coroner, firefighter, you know, whoever else. And the media. Media, <laughs> family members, that's yeah. a big one. You really got to be careful about um, family members because, you know, you don't want to compound a situation and make someone feel worse, you know. But um, you're absolutely right. It's, it's humor is um, such a pressure release valve for cops on the scene that it's, um, it just, it just has to be that way. And I think it's always been that, like the gal's humor like that. That's, you know, that's like an ancient term almost. It's just always been there. Yeah. Um, funny side story, but relevant to our discussion is I listened to a number of episodes uh, before I listed uh, things police see on off the charts in podcast magazine. And then as all of us do as we're covering podcasts. We go on to other things. And so I hadn't listened to, to your show for a while, but I had you on my radar. And then, you know, kind of at the last minute, we were able to get this great discussion scheduled. And I thought, you know, I, I better reacquaint myself with the show because I haven't listened to it in months. So I pulled up, I forget which episode it was. I believe your guest was Bill Kahn. I, if I if if I remember, or Kane, or it was a gentleman that's a retired and is a comedian now. He's oh yeah, so, Bill Cannon, I think. Bill Cannon, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Bill Cannon. When I was when I was looking to the side on my phone, I wasn't I wasn't uh, communicating with my bookie. I was actually looking. It's like, is that show still on <laughs> my list here? Yeah, he's from um, Off the Cup or Police Off the yes. Cup. Yeah, Police Off yep. the Cuff. We're gonna have to get him on the show too. Uh, but he's he, great. 
he he had one of the best the probably the line of the year and the, one of the top five ones when when you play stupid games you win stupid prizes <laughs> yep, absolutely so true <laughs> and you know it was it was you know a lot of that episode is a lot of of what is so cool about your show is it's these police officers sharing some of these really hard stories, but also being able to make light of a very heavy situation, but not necessarily take it lightly. I think that's what the public really needs to understand just because they're making light of it doesn't mean that they're taking it lightly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's totally true. There's, um, you know, don't forget the, the next morning that we wake up, Mm-hmm. A lot of times the horrific thing we'd seen the day before is that the first thing we'd think of, you know, it's not, there's, yeah. it's, there's definitely sadness and um, we feel empathy and um, for people. But um, like you said, you just, you have to cope in the moment. Otherwise you just, yeah. you'll break down, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. So from that aspect, you know, I got to ask the obvious question is, you know, in all of your experience and, you know, seven, about 70 shows, give or take, uh, of things police see what was the most disturbing story that you covered and what what's the what's the funniest one the most outlandish humorous one i'll let you choose which one you talk about first <laughs> oh man you know the funny the humorous one is tough because it's like a lot of times you ask a cop something funny and they say something horrific and you're like <laughs> not sure people are gonna think that's funny but i understand what you're saying yeah. um a lot of times it's the same the same story um so I went through to refresh my memory, um, my episodes, and uh, I just, I have a, a few I'm going to name, if you don't mind. Sure, go for it's it, just, And there's so many more, but um, one, one truly disturbing one was Brad Nishwitz. Um, he was an Ohio sheriff. He went to, uh, he got called to a hotel room for someone bleeding um, and moaning and yelling. You know, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but sure. uh, he gets there and there's a guy, you know, lying there bleeding with a towel over his crotch just moaning on the floor and forgive me for how graphic this is but the guy completely sober no alcohol no drugs removed his own penis and testicles in a scolding hot shower with a with a knife when he was done he took the twig and berries put them into a ziploc bag and then dropped them behind the toilet and i thought this is, I'm like, this guy's high in crystal meth, right? Or he's like, you know, he's, he's like, no, he goes, it actually, he was diagnosed bipolar. That's how serious that disease is. People yeah. kind of play that down, but there's varying degrees of bipolar and this kid had it bad. And uh, I just thought that was so disturbing. Remo- yeah. you, you know, just castrated himself. I'm I'm crossing my legs right now. You know, I this know. this is this now tells me that I need to talk to my guests beforehand. <laughs> How disturbing is this going to be? You know, not not necessarily to my audience, but to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that one was that one was screwed up. Another one on Jimmy Barber, great um, Macon, Georgia, which Macon PD has actually been disbanded, but from Macon, Georgia, he was a, 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 uh stuttering a uh, homicide detective down there and he went to a call where um someone in the household was was questioning whether they should have what they should do with um a fetus they had in a in a like dixie cup mm. and he was like 
so she goes over the fridge, takes it out, literally has a, a fetus in a Dixie cup. She kept it. Um, and I guess the person had a, had a miscarriage yeah. or wasn't a home abortion. I don't remember, but, um, yeah, he said he was just confronted with, um, you know, a fetus in a Dixie cup frozen in the freezer and they wanted to know, um, what they should do with it. If it need, you know, if it needed to be buried or whatever. And that one was just like, there's more details I'm leaving out, but that one was really, I thought disgusting and screwed, really screwed up. That's really yeah. disgusting. Yeah, I didn't listen to that episode. That was just like, even from the title, was just simply too disturbing, even for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, we'll skip that one. But for those <laughs> those of you watching or listening, if you want to check it out, it's really easy to find on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or whatever as you're scrolling through the episodes of uh, Things Police. <laughs> yeah, that's episode number 48, if you have to see it. <laughs> but it's a good, he actually had, does a great interview, and he's yeah. got that great Southern draw but that that one was like what that's okay i can't believe someone would do that um then episode 41 was dan kono he's from pomona and um he had a sibling decapitate another sibling a brother decapitated a brother and when you know they came through the door the heads you know rolling towards them so that was really really uh just upsetting imagery to have um really screwed up then episode number seven robert uh rangel he actually worked with him at backgrounds he's retired now congratulations robert um and he has a book he's actually an author he has a book called the red dot club and when he hmm. when he um showcases a bunch of officers um being shot in the line of duty and what it was like their experience so it's a really good book red dot club um but this one uh, this one's over the top disturbing so I guess you can edit it if it's too much. I don't know. No, if you... no, go, go for it, man. I, I could okay. always edit it, but you know, I mean, our, our audience are big boys and girls. So okay. But... Hey, this is, this is what they see. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is what happens. So he went to, he was um, in West Hollywood um, as a sheriff, deputy sheriff on patrol and um, him and his partner were walking by an alley and this guy <clears throat> stumbled out all messed up, all disheveled. And uh, he just stunk like crap. He was like, Oh, Oh, it's what is with this guy? You know, you don't want people, especially West Hollywood, you don't want anybody grabbing you and you know, who knows what they're doing in the streets. And, uh, exactly. uh <clears throat> he has his arm his his right arm is just covered in feces. And so they're like, hold on, wait, one, wait right there. Like, don't go anywhere. So they, they, he stands by, they go in the alley and they shut, find the flash, shine the flashlight down. And there's a guy on his knees and then, you know, face in the, in the pavement passed out pants around his knees and just like a huge gaping anus where this guy had been just horribly violating this guy. Yeah. And the guy's passed out. He's like not even conscious. And uh, <laughs> he told me that story and I was like, I know I said any story, but, yeah, that is but you had to choose that one. <laughs> really messed up, man. But yeah, he goes, you know, and then he goes, the problem with that, that people don't realize is, um, and they get people covered. You know, we get, in general, you get, you at times get people covered in their own bodily fluids, you know, yeah. and uh, you still got to cuff them and you got to deal with them and you got to book them, you got to fingerprint them. And they're sometimes they're covered in any bodily fluid you can imagine. Yeah. And you just got to get up close and personal and it sucks. And it sucks for your cruiser. Mm -hmm. It sucks for everything they come in contact with. And you know, they're never sober. So they're always, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, don't touch me, dude. Um, 
So th- that one was just, whew, I thought that was crazy. And, um, you know, besides the crazy and disgusting stories, there's, there's also, um, I recently had Donnie Brasco on, the real Donnie Brasco, mm. uh, Joe Pistone. That, yeah. was, that was so fun to have him on, the guy, you know, because the Johnny Cash movie, not Johnny Cash, um, Johnny uh, Depp movie. Yeah, Johnny Depp, uh, yeah. Donnie Brasco. So they based on Joe's, you know, infiltration of the New York gangs. And then uh, Dan Kelly from um, Portland Police Department. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Seattle Police Department. He kills a, a cop killer. The, the cop killer that killed the four Tacoma police officers while they were eating confronts Dan Kelly in the street in his patrol car and he takes him out. And that, that one's really popular. It's like, yeah, it is so eerie. The guy's just walking towards him with his head down, you know, like clearly he's found his next mark, his next cop he's going to kill. Um, and you know, a, a chopper pilot from Ontario, bunch of canine guys, just, um, I'm really, I'm really, uh, the catalog of interviews I have and I'm, without like, patting myself in the back too hard like i really love it like i love these guys and like i said it's not me it's these guys yeah these guys step forward with these stories and it's like they're great you know and after every interview i i'm like usually exchange phone numbers and i I consider these guys my friend you know it's just like it's a real bonding experience them this sharing all that crazy stuff so yeah Yeah. are we gonna get to the humorous one soon (laughs) oh yeah yeah sorry um, like I said, sometimes no, those are kind I of. Just, I just before before I get depressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you crying? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, there's no there's no crying in podcasting, right. especially especially in the first responder realm. <laughs> <laughs> right. All all my all my police and firefighter friends would be busted by balls until I die if I cried on this show. <laughs> I always just I I do all my crying off camera. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, there is some really funny ones. Dave Escoto has a couple of real popular episodes. The guy is hilarious. He was um, uh, supervising homicide detective LAPD, and he was in Vice for a long time. And his stories are just great. You know, he has this one about um, this hooker. He was doing Vice. And the Vice rules are really crazy. Like, you can have a certain amount of drinks while you're working. Hmm. You can buy drinks for other people because you really have to get in there. You know, you have right. to, you can't, you're going to stick out if you're the cop, you know, you have the, the alligator shirt tucked in with the next tell in your belt if it's the early 2000s you know <laughs> oh yeah i trust that guy let's party with him yeah. so anyways you know they give you an allowance they give you money to buy people drinks and mm-hmm. your own drinks so he was talking about that and he said he had this one hooker who was like he said i felt really bad she's like she she seemed nice just really dumb and he said you know i rested her and then i saw her again um not too not too far later on the street so he goes i pulled up again and you know they're always switching cars and yeah making themselves undercover you know he pulls up and he goes hey hey uh hey baby and she's like hey you arrested me he's like yeah but that's when i was working right now i'm off duty and she's like yeah he's like yeah you know um oh and she had she had tried to get out of it the first time by flashing giving me flashing her crotch and he was like no um so he goes to her this time he goes you know i really I really liked what you showed me last time. And like, you know, I'd really like to take you up on that. She's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm not working. I swear. So (laughs) gets her in the car. He has the the cops pull up. Um, They treat him like the John, you know, they treat him like, like like he's not a cop. Right. And um, then uh, she starts defending him. She starts going, no, no, no. He, he's not even working. He's not even on the job right now. It was like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. He also had a good one for the, um, was it the 80, was it 84 the Olympics were in LA? 
Yes, I think so. Either 80 or 84. I think it was, yeah, it must have been 84 because I was in yeah. high school then, yeah. He had one for that where um, they were getting calls. They were, believe it or not, getting complaints uh, that they were the um, Scandinavian um, whatever team was staying at a hotel and they were uh-huh. all out sunbathing naked at the hotel. <laughs> but, you know, people around in the neighborhood could see the pool and they were like, there's all these naked they're naked they're not supposed to be naked so you know they he was on they would put them on um on high spots in the city for you know you know surveillance and whatever when the big events were going on and so he said they could they had the high power binoculars and he goes sure enough he goes there's like 30 scandinavian olympians (laughs) naked (laughs) and he goes we you know i'm sure they delayed quite a bit before breaking that party up but um (laughs) yeah i thought he had some really some really funny ones. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, uh, I can't recall. There's so many other funny stories, yeah. but I'm just drawing a blank. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure I don't have anywhere near as many as you do, but, uh, having, having had the privilege of knowing a number of police officers and retired police officers over the last couple decades, I've, I've, I've heard many funny ones myself. So let's, let's talk about your story. You're, you're in Massachusetts now. I'm assuming that you're still working on things police see, you know, what's, what's coming up for not only the podcast, but also for Steve Gould. Well, what we're working on and what we started working on in California is, um, is our homestead we like we have some animals we have some nigerian dwarf goats we took with us from california by the way so when we moved we had three nigerian dwarf goats in tow with our now, luggage now that's a move <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was a bit of a nightmare because i thought well i got an 18 foot stock trailer half our soft half goats and i'm like we're not gonna hit rain until like new england probably it's been it's bone dry um no Texas it started and it just kept raining the whole the whole that there was this big system that followed us right to New England it was horrific Um, but anyways yeah we're setting up a homestead here Um, we had a we had a channel that we were doing that a little bit we might do some more videos on doing homestead stuff but um, we're gonna have chickens goats and you know maybe some hogs and and you know we're you know, right before I came on with you, uh, we were in the backyard with the drill and with the tap and we were tapping maple trees for the first time yeah. to see if you know, we can get some, you know, they say it only takes 40 gallons of um, sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. So I said, well, that sounds, <laughs> that, no wonder it's so expensive, you know? Yeah. So we're going to try that. And um, for the show, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Like it, it was a, it was a, it was a tough move and we stayed with my parents for a month before we moved into our house. And um, I just got the studio you know, studio set up. And, you know, as you can see, I'm in the basement and I told my wife, cause we have a well, I'm like, try not to use water. Cause that thing's going to kick on and <laughs> ruin the show. So, um, no the- showers for anybody. <laughs> yeah, actually, shut up. So there's, um, the walls have like closed cell technology. They're foamed. So mm-hmm. I-, I really haven't got around to making this look nice. As you can see, there's some like drippage here from a window coming down next to my flag. So, but the studio is, it's functional. It's working. I'm going to keep doing episodes. I just put one out, I think last week or two weeks ago. And, um, yeah, I just, what I need to do now is just, um, start scheduling them and doing them regularly. You know, you know, I don't know if you've ever taken a break or gotten out of it. It's hard. Like when you, when you're out of it, it, it's like, 
I had them at one point I had like five or six in the can where I was just, they were just auto publishing. It was like, this is fantastic. If you miss a week or two, it didn't matter. Well, I've used all those. So I need to get, you know, not only my, I have a stay at home uh, wife and three kids, so I need to work extra. So I'm not, I mean, you can't support a family on a cop salary without (laughs) overtime, you know, so I need to work extra hours, but also I need to book some guests, you know? So, Hey, any of your buddies, anybody, you know, let me know. I'd love to have them on. Every cop's got a good story. So um, I'm, I'm looking for guests and um, yeah, I'm going to keep marching forward. It might take me a little bit to, to get regular episodes out, but uh, the cops, I don't know if you knew we were doing cops in the news for a while. It was kind of a segment where. Yeah. I, we I, I saw that on um, your podcast listing on the, uh, um, on your website. I saw cops in the news. Yeah. I don't remember hearing one of those segments on any of your shows, but I, obviously I haven't listened to all of them. Right. Yeah. It was, we were started doing with my, with my good buddy, Ken, who's a LAPD officer and background investigator. Um, we started doing cops in the news and it was so fun. We would just, he would collect topical stories for dumb things. Cop did good things. Cops did and political stuff. But the problem is it's become so red hot, the political climate that, yeah. You know, and we would get carried away making fun of, you know, politicians and whoever else. Well, that used to be fine and fun and whatever. And as long as you're not talking about your agency, you know what I mean? Like as long as you're not like spilling the beans about where you work, but that's not true anymore. Now it's, um, I could literally, you know, be suspended. Like they, they, there, there's a little thing called, uh, you know, behavior unbecoming a police officer, which is this horrific catch-all clause where they can go, well, you know what? Being conservatives unbecoming because you were, you know, you were, you know, you made fun of this politician or you said this, or you gave this opinion and it upset a, a, you know, a member of the community. And they said, they're not comfortable with you coming to their house now because you said that, you know, so-and-so is X, Y, and Z. It's become that bad where it's like you, it's like there are, um, it really feels like you don't have freedom of speech. It's like, you can't, I, I was afraid for my, my job. I'm like, I, I, I can't keep, I'm getting carried away. I'm, I'm speaking too much of my opinion um, about politics. And um, cause you know, it's the show turned into that, the, the, the uh, cops and news because it was so bad. The attacks on police were so bad that some, you know, you just want to defend it. But unfortunately going active again, I got, I got to, I got to at least gotta do the, it, man. <laughs> I got to pump the brakes for a little bit, you know? <laughs> Well, you can always send it my way. I'm I'm not a police officer, you know. I've got my own business. Worst thing that happens to me is no somebody doesn't work with me. Right, <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't get yeah. fired. <laughs> you can pick up the mantle. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I always think that you know if, if one liberal isn't going to work with me, there's at least three conservatives that I can probably get to say, yeah, I I hear you, man. And you know what? You know the divisiveness, and maybe as a fellow podcaster, you can comment on this. Is yeah, yeah. I really, yeah, I'm proud to be a Republican. Um, I didn't agree with everything that Trump did. Um, the one thing that I, I do appreciate is he was very vocal and supportive of law enforcement. Um, yeah, I, I keep looking for, you know, well, how do, how do we bridge the gap here? Um, you know, I, I do agree as a civilian that proudly supports law enforcement, that there does need to be change, that, that, that there does need to be some enhancement to the profession and so forth. Um, but, and, and frankly, and I've said this many times, 
any change that increases the probability that law enforcement are going to go home after their shift safely to their family. I'm all for that. Uh, sure. Yeah, but you know, where, where do we go is, is, is a fellow podcaster and you as a law enforcement professional, you know, where can we find some middle ground out there? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. <laughs> I don't know. So the problem is there's, in my view, the far left and which is becoming the normal left just doesn't, there's no truth. So when you have no tr absolute truth, mm -hmm. then you don't, your moral compass is spinning. You just, you can, you can talk yourself into anything being okay, which is not okay. And that's, that's what we're seeing. And I'm with you. I fully recognize that Trump had a fair amount of buffoonery. You know, it was like, at the same time, I really thought he was hilarious a lot of times, yeah. but uh, I understand like, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't like beating my chest over Trump, but I voted for him, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, he, you kind of have to vote on issues. If you, you're dealing with these, these super elites. We don't know. Do we really know them either yeah. side? No. Who knows what these people are probably drinking the blood of infants. I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. you know, he's, he was um, pro cop, pro Christian, pro life, pro second amendment. That's mm -hmm. all I need to hear. Yeah. The other side was none of those things. So that's how you vote with the issues. And it, I think face, I think FaceTime so important. Like, uh, you know, I've had on Facebook, people just defriend me on Facebook or not want to talk to me like old friends. Yeah. Um, but the thing is we haven't, none of us have really changed. Like if you get together with someone in person, which is hard now, or you, you talk <laughs> in the phone, mm -hmm. you can see it's the same guy or same gal. Like it, it's, there's still that humanity, that connection. And that's all removed with online stuff that you build a straw man in your mind of who this person is. I catch myself doing it. I have a, I have good friends that I love dearly that are super liberal and they post something and I'm like, I start building a straw man of who they are. You know, they're this yeah. monster that I want to smack. And then I'm like, no, you don't. You love this guy. You love having beers with him. He's a great guy. And like, you know, on, on, on the important stuff, you guys were always, you always got along. So it's like, I think the online culture is really toxic. It's really bad. And it's, um, and, and it's only been spurred on by the COVID lockdown. So people are living online. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know what the answer is. It's, it's scary and it's really, um, it's really nuts. I, I mean, I work right now in a pretty liberal area. There's, there's Western Massachusetts has patches of conservatism, but patches mm -hmm. of liberal communities. And it's a lot of liberal stuff. Yeah. Never had a problem getting along with everybody, but, um, and a lot of people in the liberal in the community are very friendly towards the police, mm -hmm. but they will say things in public forums and you're just like, what? Like, would you like to come with some facts or are you just going to repeat what you heard on CNN? Cause this is, yeah. this is, and it's hurtful to people. Like I'm a person, like I'm a law enforcement, you know, it's like, yeah. um, it's really, it's really weird. And, uh, you're right. I, I don't know what the answer is. And it's a scary, it's a scary trajectory. Yeah. Well, if you don't come up with the answer, I won't even air this episode because I brought you out because I wanted answers, man, and you're not giving me any. But You were told yeah. I had the answers. <laughs> yeah, I was told somewhere that Steve Gould had the answer for me, and now I don't have it. Yeah, I yeah, I don't have the answer either. You know, I, I think yeah, in a maybe a very naive or sophomoric way, I, I think that there's there's might there might be some answer in comedy, frankly. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I heard, I heard a, a, a perfect joke and I forgot where I heard it. Um, it, and this is kind of how I feel about the last election. I hated my choices. 
I said, yeah, th- these, these are the two guys. This is it. This, I, I got nobody else. Really? Right. You, you, you can't give me, you know, somebody. <laughs> You're not going to get else. the choice of someone who grew up in a log cabin ever again. Yeah. And, and, and there was this great joke. I don't remember where I heard it. It might've been on comedy central or something, but it was something to the effect of this is how messed up our country is right now. We're having trouble transitioning for from one unqualified old white man to another unqualified old white man (laughs) and i thought about i was like you know what you're spot on you know really (laughs) that's funny i think you're right with the humor i think um i think if you can laugh at either side it's incredibly healing and once in a while snl will 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 take a dig at the left and it's great to see them laugh at themselves you know what i mean it's like because it's really the, the, the guys and girls out there that are supposed to be relieving our pressure and, and making things funny, like Jimmy Kimmel and um, all these other hosts are really been letting us down. They're like really kowtowing to the culture and the, it's really like, you guys are supposed to, SNL used to break through that and they would, yep. they were, they would brutalize a Democrat or a Republican just for fun. And it was great. And it, when, when those guys start picking teams, Man, it gets sad, you know. Yeah. Bring bring the clowns back. Make us laugh. Distract <laughs> us, you know. Exactly, exactly. So, all right. So, most important question is for our audience out there. You know, I I know it's easy to find things people see, but how easy? Where can they find your great podcast out there? Uh, there is thingspolicey.com. That kind of acts as a hub. If you go there, it's a little, it's my website and we'll give you some, some options. You can apply to be a guest there. You can buy some merch if you want, if you want, if you want to buy some merch before even hearing the show, please, please do. (laughs) Um, There's an episode section and you can go, you know, it gives you some options. You can listen right on the website or you can go to Stitcher, iTunes or Google podcasts or, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Um, And on Facebook, things, please see um, Facebook page, go there and, um, Sometimes I do live events and stuff like that. Yeah, def- definitely get yourself a Things P- Police C t-shirt. Then get yourself a Public Safety Talk Radio t-shirt. Perfect. You'll, you'll, at, least, you'll at least have shirts for two days out of the seven days of the week. Right. Um, but, Steve, I, I so enjoyed talking to you. Um, great insight and a really great show. When you're not listening to Public Safety Talk Radio, definitely listen to uh, Things Police C. And yeah, just really appreciate your time today, Steve. Thanks, brother. I had a really good time too. Yep. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, You're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.